0: For some reason, this fall has brought a steady stream of voices telling about what it's like when life is difficult. I don't say yes to every pitch, but when someone raises their hand and bravely says, the life I'm living isn't what I signed up for, I pay attention. I pay attention because that's my life. And I suspect it's how you feel about your own life. And if I'm right, I think you should settle in for today's podcast episode and listen all the way to the end, because I'll be sharing about some upcoming conversations that I'll be sharing here and a way that I would love to hear from you. I'm Amy Fritz, and you're listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all that is not good or true, this is the place for you. Author Sarah Fraser joins me for a conversation about what it's like to reckon with a life you didn't sign up for. I love the messiness and unresolvedness of her story because I can relate. Here's my conversation with Sarah. When I saw you
1: writing this book, I thought, hmm, this looks interesting. I bet Sarah has a story to tell. And then I kind of put it in the back of my mind until Amber messaged me and was like, Hey, hey, I have a friend who has a book coming out. And I was like, Oh, I have wanted to read that book anyways. And so I am really happy to have you on the podcast. As we get started, I would love for you to just tell a little bit about yourself to my listeners. Who is Sarah Fraser? I'm so glad to
2: be here, Amy. This is such an honor to be invited to be on your podcast. I am a wife of 17 years, and we have five children. Three are biological, and two are adopted from China. So we have a loud, crazy house. The oldest is 15, the youngest is eight, and I've always homeschooled these past however many, 10 years, I guess, my oldest has been in school. But this year, four of them are going to a Christian school. So it's been a big change in our family dynamic and just everything going on. We have a special needs daughter, which I'm sure her story will come up later when we talk. But she's home with me. I'm homeschooling her. But I'm a really busy mom, but I love to write and I love to read. I'm a very avid reader. I uh, like to read a lot of nonfiction, but I really like fiction as well. And then I've always played the piano since I was a little girl. And recently I've decided I just need to start playing the piano again. And I hadn't for a while because I'm a mom, but I sat down yesterday and it felt really good just to play through some old piano pieces. And uh so tapping into some things that I let go
1: It's so crazy as an adult, right? And as a mom, you know, when your kids are really little, you're sort of in the weeds of like figuring out what you even have time for. Yes. And then as life changes, you start to have different pockets of time and different like rememberings of, oh, oh yeah, this is who I am. I remember liking some things. I remember having hobbies. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you
2: what did it was my daughter's taking piano lessons and I was trying to help her with her lesson. She said, mom, mom, you don't know about this. And I thought, you really don't know that I took piano lessons for years and I competed in classical competitions and all this stuff. That is hilarious. So I sat down, I said, scoot over, I'm going to play this for you.
1: (laughs) When our kids started having lessons, it occurred to me, like because I have had piano lessons, but like not a lot and I didn't remember a ton of things. But I thought, how is it the kids are just supposed to remember everything from their lesson and then just get home and do it? If they don't have anyone in the house that can be like, oh, honey. Yeah. I think that's a dotted eighth note. And that's a little different. Like, they just go home and yeah. figure it out. Yes. I guess I've always helped my kids. So we don't know is what we're saying. No. <laughs> we are not that home. No. um, you, Your book that you are launching, like, in real time. Is it come out already? October 17th. Okay. So it's, like, imminent. Yes. It is called I didn't sign up for this, and that resonates with me so strongly, I often say about my life, this is not my dream. I did not dream this. I would not have chosen this. So you saying I did not sign up for this feels like there's a story behind that. Obviously there's a book. <laughs> and so um, what did you not sign up for? I know there's a whole book about it, but like, give us some of the things that have happened in your life that were like, uh, no. I wouldn't have chosen this.
2: What's so interesting is when you said that, I've had other people say, Oh, I've said that before. And when you said, This is not my dream, I thought, We definitely have dreams and goals and plans, depending on our personality. I'm a super planner person. Like, I have to have my ducks in a row. They can't just look like they're in a row, like they have to be. And so we get into planning and dreaming and making goals. And then we look around and think, Well, that part of my life, No, I didn't add that to the, I didn't pencil that in for today. I think for us in our family, the biggest thing for me was when we adopted our daughter from China and in 2015, we brought her home. She was two years old, but with significant developmental delays that were either lost in translation or we just were really naive or, you know, extremely on like everything's going to work out because she's going to be loved by family and everything's going to be okay. Then you bring a child like that home. And not only that, walking through at least two years of no diagnosis. So there's no explanation as to what is causing these delays. And just entering this world of special needs parenting. I don't think any parent said, oh, I I completely signed up for that. When you enter it for the first time, I've known a lot of beautiful families that have adopted special needs children on purpose, knowing what they're getting into, or at least having an idea that this is going to look different. But something brought them to that point. And a lot of times they have other biological children that have the same type of need. But for us we knew that she had delays but we weren't really prepared for the significant part of it and so it was a lot of untangling my faith about god and what it meant for him to be good and what it meant for his sovereign plan for my life and how i played a role in that and, and just wrestling with so many questions with that thought of, well, I signed up for this, but I didn't sign up for for this other
1: thing. Yeah. Some things, as I was looking through your book, like some of the, I didn't sign up for this sort of thing can be a thing that's just hard that ends up being like a really, I love my kid, right? They have a struggle I didn't know they were going to have. And we're just going to do what we can to to work through this but then there are other struggles where you're like no thank you <laughs> no
2: thank you yeah talk about that for me it definitely was when i first entered motherhood so we had three biological children and then we adopted when my oldest was born i ended up having an emergency c section We had trouble nursing, all the postpartum. And of course, those are all what we call normal things. But I don't know what it is. You just don't think that it's going to be that bad or you're not going to feel that bad. But then when I had my second one, I really battled a lot of depression. And I remember saying, Lord, no, I don't want this. This is not something that I want. And even though I knew It was something that was a little bit natural. It happens with new mothers. It's not natural. It is part of life that is suffering. And it's very hard to wake up each morning and feel like you haven't slept at all. And you're just tired and irritable and you don't want to be. And that's where I was with a toddler and a newborn. And I just was like, can sign up for feeling this way. I want to enjoy my children and I'm miserable. And so that was really a hard season for me.
1: Yeah. And I wonder if some of it is this, this whole industry around parenting exists with all the books Mm -hmm. and all the things. And I kind of thought if I read all the books and I do all the things, things will be fine, right? Like, I mean, in the back of my mind, I must have known I could not control uncontrollable things. But there's so many books out there and nobody was telling me you might want to nurse your baby and they might be starving to death while you do it. Yeah, yeah. And you could be doing everything that they tell you to do. They in quotes, right? You can read all the books about how to get your kid to figure out how to nap. And that kid never once read that book. Yeah. And they did not know. If you do, you know, one and two, they're supposed to do number three. My kid didn't read that book. Yes. I think there is. We get to that point where like, (laughs) okay, God, I did the book. yeah, I did it right. Like, and then, you know, even as moms, I think we have a hard time saying, I am dying. Yeah. This was my dream to be a mom. And now I am one. And... I kind of don't even want to get out of bed.
2: And I think you hit it when you said that when we have a dream and then this other hard thing comes with that, that we weren't prepared for, we didn't foresee, or we didn't think that would really happen to us. We feel like we can't say anything. And I felt that way when we adopted our daughter. I felt like I couldn't tell people how much I was struggling because we had chosen this. We had pursued this and we... Beyond a shadow of a doubt, knew that this is what God had for our family. So me, even admitting to God, this is hard. Felt like a betrayal to Him, like I didn't trust Him. And it was several months after bringing her home that I finally was like, I have to grieve. I have to grieve this invisible person that doesn't exist. This child that I thought, that I was bringing home, doesn't exist. And so I need to grieve that. And then that way I can really dive in to connecting and loving with this child. I do have the Lord. And I told God that this was really hard and that felt really vulnerable for me, but it completely changed the way that I was intimate with God because I felt like I could be honest with him and say, this is really hard. I know you plan this. I know that you're in control and I know that you know, that this is what you want for my life and it's going to be good. But right now it feels really hard and bad and God can handle our questions. He's big enough and he understands our questions. He understands that we don't see the big picture. We don't see the end of the story. And so we're just kind of struggling along. The fact that Jesus was human, that's something I've really been thinking about lately because I'll go through something and I'll say, oh, Jesus, you know what this felt like, like rejection or disappointment. Um, he was human, 100% human, 100% God at the same time. But he knows, Hebrew says, he knows our infirmities. He knows things that weigh us down and there's comfort in being vulnerable With God about all of these things.
1: Yeah. So I would love to hear the timeline a little bit about, like, at a certain point, you decided, I think I'm going to write a book. (laughs) I've gone through some things. I think I've learned some things. I would love to write a book. And also the fact that life went a little crazy for you when you thought you knew how the book was going to go. So I would love to hear a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So I started thinking about this book idea when COVID hit and a little backstory on us. We lived on the mission field for two and a half years uh, in the country of Honduras and we moved there January of 2020.
1: Wow, that is crazy timing. So that was before we knew what was going to happen. So, you know, there was like little hints of things happening in the world and you're like, it's fine. We're going to Honduras. It's fine. There was a
2: rumor about a virus, but yeah, it's Honduras. It's not China. So we moved and life turned completely upside down. And my husband and I, we, there were so many similar lessons that we had learned with our daughter, especially me and my response that I thought the Lord has been working in my heart. And these are the truths that I'm hanging on to right now. I was still struggling, but it felt so eerily similar to how we felt when we brought her home. And then because we moved and my heart was missing my home and I missed my friends, we had deep roots where we lived in the States. And so I was reading in Psalms one day and I came across Psalm 90, verse 1. And it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. And I clung to that verse. I wrote it every day in my journal. I prayed about that verse and I thought, okay, Lord, no matter where my feet, physical feet are, you're going to be my home. You're going to be my dwelling place. And just exploring that with God. And one day I looked at Psalm 90 and it said it was written by Moses. And I thought, oh, I didn't even know that Moses had written a psalm, but he did. And some people believe he wrote Psalm 91, which is a really famous psalm about being under the shadow of his wings. So I began to think about Moses's life and it dawned on me, he never had a home. He was adopted, really connected with that part of his story, and then grew up in the palace, left that to go live with the Hebrews. They reject him. As a leader, he's in the wilderness with strangers. And then he goes back to Egypt, but just to get the people and take them to the promised land. And fast forward 40 years, and he isn't able to even step foot in this life in the promised land. But at the end of his life, he wrote Psalm 90. A lot of scholars believe he wrote it at the end before they were going to go into the promised land as a reminder to the people. And I thought, I have to study his life because he never felt like he was at home and his life was completely interrupted so many times. And how could this man start out where he did and end up being at peace? And the end of the chapter talks about being content and satisfied in the Lord. And so that got me studying. And so I began writing on his life. And I just remembered all these times that, yeah, the Lord interrupted that time and interrupted that time. And it was
1: all for his purpose and his glory. If you have not read The Life of Moses recently, I highly recommend just going and reminding yourself, refreshing your memory on this. If you read it before, maybe it's brand new to you, but like he went through all the things, even as an infant. Deep traumatic things have happened time and time again in this man's life. All the way through. If there's anybody that could have written a book, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> yeah. Those could have put his name on that. And here's something I think is really beautiful is that when somebody's going through something really hard, what I really want to do is hear from somebody who has been there. What I don't want is to hear from somebody who everything has just been really easy for. And I know that is a very rare thing and probably doesn't even exist. But what I want to do is sit next to that person that has experienced the hard thing. I don't want the person that hasn't had to deal with anything of significance to write the book. I didn't sign up for this. I mean, what is there to even say? Maybe that isn't kind, but there is something really beautiful. I want to sit next to you, Sarah. I want to sit next to you because... I know that when you say, the Lord disrupted my path, or he allowed some things that I would not have asked for, but at this point, there are some things I just know I wouldn't go back and tell myself. I wouldn't warn myself. I wouldn't tell myself to do something different. I'm going to listen. I'm going to lean forward when you're saying that, because I know that
0: it costs you something. Now for a quick break. Not long ago, I made a decision that changed my life and my relationships, I started going to counseling and I'm so glad I did. If you've been considering getting started with counseling, faithful counseling makes it so easy to get started. I know you don't like talking on the phone, so it's good news that you can start the process without even picking up the phone to talk to someone. The Untangled Faith podcast is brought to you by my listeners who support me on Patreon. It is also brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with more than 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states with access by video or phone sessions or chat or text. There are therapists with expertise in trauma, depression, family conflicts, and more. You can ask for a new counselor at any time, and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Untangled Faith podcast listeners get 10% off their first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. Fill out a questionnaire, and you'll be matched with a counselor. That's faithfulcounseling.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How you get 30, 30, you get 30, you get 20, 20,
1: 20, you get 20, 20, you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash
0: switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Slash untangled. Now back to the show. It is a cost
2: to be able to go through things and to grow. But the Bible is full of examples that we can follow. But when I love even talking with people, I do too. I love to sit with people who have gone through even harder things than I've gone through. I have a friend who lost a child and, you know, we sit and we cried about him. It's been several years ago. And just saying his name out loud and just talking with her about him you know, walking with people and I look at her and I think I want to sit with you and I want to hear from you. And, you know, she doesn't have a blog. She doesn't have a podcast. She doesn't even
1: write at all. <laughs> there are people like that in the world, Sarah. Come on. <laughs> this one person, this one person. Yeah. She's like the real
2: deal of just a mom and she has business and she's just I learned so much from her just sitting there drinking coffee with her And our kids are actually going to the same school this year. So that's been super fun. But yeah, so sitting with those people, that their story isn't over either. I mean, the story of Moses is comforting, but, you know, I like his story too. And it might sound really bad, but it wasn't neatly tied up in a bow in the Old Testament. But we know the end of Moses' story, right? He is in heaven and he is with the Lord and he is at peace and all of that. But you and I, we're not there yet. And yes, eternity is waiting. And yes, that is a hope that we cling to. But I think we also need to sit with people who are still what I like to call the messy middle of their life and just still in the mess. And I'm still there. Like, I still haven't figured it all out. I still have things. And you're talking about writing this book. The Lord um, actually directed us away from the mission field in the middle of me writing this book. I had actually written the whole manuscript and was about three weeks from turning it into the editor. And we got the call and it was completely un, like unexpected, not our choice. And it was the most heartbreaking thing I think we've ever gone through. I cried every day in the month of July. That's never happened to me to cry every day for a whole month. And so... When I went to submit my manuscript, I messaged my editor and I said, I'm going to need a little bit of time, <laughs> but I'm going to have to change the ending because we were living in Honduras us and the Lord was good and all. And I'm like, actually, the Lord just shifted us again and he brought us back to the States and I'm in the middle of not having any clue what kind of mission work we're going to do. We're just in the waiting period right now. Um, we just weren't given any time to look for another ministry. And so we just had to come back and um regroup and heal and deal with a lot of that. But also just we need time to trust again and to go out there and work mission work again. And that's where our hearts are. But I'm in the waiting now. I'm in that season of waiting. I feel like Moses in the wilderness for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, right there with everyone who's listening.
1: <laughs> While I really wish personally that you had a bow at the end of that. Yeah. Like that would have been really nice. Yeah. But on the other hand, I can relate more <laughs> to the. I still have questions. I still have questions. I still don't understand a lot of things. I don't get it. I think some
2: things get wrapped up. Like the Lord has definitely made it full circle for me and my husband about our daughter. Like we have peace. We have assurance. We have hope. And I look to the future with expectancy and it was years. It was years to get to that point. That was eight years ago. However, this thing we're walking through right now, it's something we weren't expecting. <laughs> and I thought, okay. Lord, I don't know how you're going to work this out. But the beautiful thing about Moses's life in our own lives is that the truths that help carry us through those different seasons don't change. So as I was editing the book a few months later, I actually put it off for like three weeks before it was due because I didn't want to read my words because I'm like, I know what they're going to say, and I don't want to hear it right now. (laughs) But I did, and I would have to stop because I was crying so much because there were truths that I didn't even remember writing. Yeah, Uh, I had written all that this past spring, which felt like an eternity before this, and I'm reading my words, and really, they were the words of Scripture that comforted me the most. All those Scriptures that I put in there were the Scripture that my own heart needed, And so I got to the end of that first round of edits and I told the Lord, thank you for allowing me to write this book because this is the book I need and I need it in this season. And only you could have foreseen that I would need these truths from Moses' life. And so he's so good and gracious. I just, I will never stop saying that about him.
1: I have heard a similar sentiment from KJ Ramsey about her book, The Lord Is My Courage. I don't know if you've read that. It's just a really beautiful book. Basically, the outline of it is Psalm 23, and she writes a chapter based on every word. But she shared this, it's gone on in the world, and now she's going through something really, really, really hard. And she's reading her own words and just marveling at how okay, this is still true and life is so hard. Life is so hard. Both things are true at the same time. And I think that's one of the really hard things about life is that we are unredeemed. We're not completely redeemed. We're unresolved. You said something about not even wanting to see your words as you were in the middle of it. And I would love for you to speak into that a little bit about, have you learned anything about People that are going through something really hard and when it's time to say certain things and when it's time to not, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. (laughs) If you're asking that question, don't say anything. (laughs) If you wonder if you should say it, maybe don't say it.
2: Yeah, I think that I mentioned my friend earlier and I walked through her grief with her. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where a friend has something unexplainably hard and painful, Devastatingly so. And you choose to walk into that and you make that conscious choice like, I could kind of separate myself from this and I don't have to feel what they're feeling, or I could step into this and try to do the best I can. And she has taught me a lot about what to say and when to say it. I talk in the book and I, even on another interview I did, I talked about Romans 8 28. And I said, that is a really comforting verse. And here's why, because we need Romans 829 as well.
1: But that is not a verse you say to someone. And Romans 828 is that God works things out for the good of those. Yes. So when somebody is in deep grief. Yeah. Don't say that. You're like, but it's all going to work out for the good, Sarah. And, and
2: it is in the sense that if you have 829, And 829 talks about being conformed in the image of Christ. So if all of these things that we suffer are to make us more like Christ, that's the good in it. But that doesn't mean that their situation is going to feel good or their situation is going to work out to be good. There are some situations like a loss of a child that is never going to feel good and you're never going to understand why that happens. And so there's not going to be a good enough explanation for that in my mind. And I think that if you have somebody who's walking through those different seasons, Psalms is really good. Psalms is really honest and it's really raw. I think my default is to send a verse, not my own words. I like to send verses and I like to send verses about the character of God that are true, that would be soft and tender. Not God is justice, and God is wrath, and he is holy, and those are all very comforting and true things. However, in the midst of suffering, we need to know that God is near to the brokenhearted and that he hears us when we pray, and we live under the shadow of his wings, and truths about God are very, very helpful. I have a friend, a different friend right now walking through something really hard. She didn't share with me what it was and that's okay, but I could tell in her voice that it's hard and maybe she'll share, maybe she won't. But either way, I was even just this morning while I was getting ready thinking, okay, Lord, I want to encourage her today. So help me think of a verse, like bring a verse to mind that might be good for her today. And a verse popped in, but I sat on it right? Like, I'm like, I'm not going to just send it because I have done that. I've sent verses and then thought, "Mm." and then like sent a video or a song or tried to be encouraging. And then looking back and think, oh man, that was probably not really encouraging. I think sitting on it for a little while, praying, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And a lot of times, nothing. I think what helped a lot for me was that people would show up and just drink coffee and talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. Maybe I wanted to talk about the situation. Maybe I didn't want to talk about it. And so that's what my other friend who lost her little boy, that's what she's taught me. Just
1: lean in and let that other person kind of lead the conversation. Yeah. Did you see Natasha Smith's new book? Will you just sit with me? Did that just come out maybe today? It did. It did. I can't wait to get it. It's going to be so good. So powerful. There is just something really holy, I think, about sitting with people with our mouths shut. Sometimes words are unnecessary, but it can be hard for us who like to fill the silence. Being quiet can be really hard. It is really hard. So
2: what I like to do is I like to just lift that person up in prayer over and over. And if the Lord gives me a verse for that person, I like to pray it over them. And I may or may not share it with them. But prayer is so powerful. And I think that's not the least we can do. It's the best thing we can do.
1: Yeah. I wrote down from one of the things that you said in one of the early chapters that you found God in hidden places. Tell me about that.
2: So I really struggled when we first brought our daughter home because I was home a lot. I had four kids. They were ages six, four, and then two two two-year-olds. The youngest two-year-old was more of like 11-month-old developmentally. And so we were in the middle of therapy. We were doing all of this. I was homeschooling my kindergartner at the time. And just in the middle of, I don't remember much of that time. (laughs) But I do remember that I would look for the good things that God would do that only he could do. And I'll tell you a more recent example has been when we moved back last year, we struggled with the schooling. What do we do? And so um this past March, we decided we're going to put them in a uh, Christian school. We moved to an area that has a really great school. We're like five minutes away. So it just made sense. And I was really nervous. And I said, OK, Lord, just remind me that you're in this decision that we're making. And we go to orientation. and. My youngest, who's eight, he's in third grade. His teacher is the same teacher that we had at a different Christian school for one of my older boys. And we were only at that school for like two years for just the two older boys. And she had switch schools and she was teaching the same grade. She taught my older son when we brought our little boy home from China. So this youngest, he's from China as well. And she looked at him and she said, I remember when they brought you home from China. And if anyone knows him, he knows, like, he is so proud that he is from China. I mean, he tells people in case they don't know, that's where he's from. And he was born there. And it's a very positive thing for him. And he really identifies with everything Chinese. And so he just beamed when she said, I remember when they brought you home from China. And, you know, your brother was so excited to have you and you visited the class and talked about China. And I just, that was an overwhelming sense of, oh, there you are, God. Like only we could have worked out. And it's something so small, right? It's just a teacher. But God knew I needed that moment. And there's been so many things like that, that I have seen his hand And guiding us and leading us and protecting us that I just keep praying, Lord, continue to open my eyes because I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be busy working out my own plans and I miss the ways that you are actually working.
1: That's really beautiful. So what's the next book you're going to write, Sarah?
2: Well, I have some ideas. My husband jokes, he goes, you are—you never lack ideas. I do. I have too many ideas. I mentioned the idea that Jesus was 100% human. I'm really curious as to study the life of Christ from that perspective and just really dive into the Gospels. I really want to study that. I really love Hebrews and I just love the connection. Reading Moses' story led me to read a lot of Leviticus as well, which is not a book that we read. No. (laughs) (laughs) And found it so fascinating. And I'm like, I would love to dive in to the connection of Leviticus and all the law and how it relates to Jesus and Hebrews and all of those things. Those are some ideas I have, but really the focus right now is just serving my family and writing on my blog and doing just that next thing, right?
1: I was chuckling because I heard you talking to Amber Cullum about this and how your husband was like, maybe the next book shouldn't be about suffering. Yes. Maybe if we're going to have to do the thing, can we do a different
2: book? He did suggest, so I, I mentioned to him, I said, you know, so many authors will say they have to walk through their message while they're writing it or as they're launching their book. And he goes, well, maybe the next book should be about prosperity.
1: (laughs) How we got everything we ever wanted. Yeah. And I said, you know,
2: that means that God will take everything away, right? (laughs) I then show us that, you know, we can be content with a lot less than what we have. So we were joking about that. But yeah, (laughs) we often have to walk through the things that we're speaking about that God has laid on our heart.
1: I think we're meaning makers and I think it only makes sense that we're like, okay, I don't understand the whole thing that just happened. And some of us that are writers and speakers, we use our words to make sense of it. We're like, I'm just going to start processing it and see what happens. And I feel like that's really something beautiful that has happened with your book. I totally see the sense making and the meaning making happening as you were like, let me walk with Moses. And see all the crap that he experienced, and all the unresolved things, the thing about Moses's life that I think is so powerful is that he didn't get everything he wanted. In fact, a lot of people wouldn't be like, "Oh yeah, I want to live like Moses and die like Moses," because in the end he died without getting to go into the promised land. All the things he did. I imagine he would have wanted that so much, and he didn't get it in the end of his life is not a tidy bow.
2: It isn't. And what the encouraging part about that, if there is an encouraging part, is that a couple of things, and I mentioned this in the book, is that he got the things he wasn't expecting to get. And that was intimacy with God, a home that could never be taken away. And a view of that, an interesting fact, which I didn't put in the book because I didn't really... Learn it till after. But an interesting fact about Moses is he did step foot in the promised land during Jesus's time. So when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, he and Elijah came down from heaven and stood on the mountain. I mean, I have chills right now thinking about how God saw Moses even after death and said, Hey, come down to the mountain and meet my son and maybe step foot and look around into this land that I've given the children. And Moses didn't want to stay. He was like, don't build me a tabernacle. You know, the angel said, don't build a tabernacle. Moses doesn't want to stay. He wanted to go back up with God. And so I think that we don't know what God has for us. And that is the encouraging part is even if the things that we think that we want or the things that we think this is what you promised or this is what I really want for my life. God is like, you know, I actually have something different. and just trust me that it might be better than what you want. And that's what I found.
1: Well, I think that is a lovely way to wrap up this conversation. Uh, Sarah, thank you for joining me here. And I know my listeners will be encouraged by you. How can they find your book? Um, How can they find you and support you?
2: This was such a good conversation. You had some really great questions and I loved our conversation. You can find me on E. Fraser dot com. It's Sarah with an H E, and then F R A Z E R dot com. And then my book is there, and all my social media links. I do like to hang out on Instagram, so if you find me at Sarah E Fraser, if you search one of mine will come up, and you'll recognize the book and all of that. It'll be there. So follow me on Instagram, and then if you go to I didn't sign up.com. So I didn't sign up.com. That will also take you to
0: where you can buy the book. That'll take you to the page where you can buy the book. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Amy. If any of this conversation resonated with you, I have a couple other episodes. I think you might appreciate episode 92, How to Help a Grieving Friend with Natasha Smith is one that I think pairs so nicely with this. And also episode 67, The Secret to Being Courageous with KJ Ramsey. I also wanted to offer an invitation to you in honor of the fact that the podcast has almost made it to 100 official episodes. Honestly, given the way I have done different episodes sharing and titling, I may have already shared 100 episodes. Regardless, I want to celebrate that in an upcoming episode by sharing some of your voices. I want to hear from you what you have appreciated about the show, what you have learned, or what particular episodes have stood out to you. You can do this by going to untangledfaithpodcast.com slash hello. And I have a super easy way that you can leave me a voice message. There's also a link on the front page of the website. You can't miss it. Again, the link is untangledfaithpodcast.com slash hello. And I'll make sure there is a link in the show notes. The Untangled Faith Podcast is hosted by me, Amy Fritz. This podcast is made possible by the support of my Patreon community. You've made it possible for me to outsource some of the editing to my friend and audio genius, Josh. If you are interested in supporting the podcast and checking out the bonus goodies offered to my supporters, check out patreon.com slash untangledfaith. That's patreon.com slash faith. A special thanks to producers Michelle Pionik, Phil and Susan Perdue, Pam Forsythe, and Shelley Taylor. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.